0: You know, I was reflecting uh, over the over 23 years that I've been a full-time pastor. And uh, I went back and I was looking, and I have done over 75 funerals. And uh, actually, as I looked at my records, um, to me that number sort of surprised me. It surprised me in that I thought it would be bigger than that. But, I mean, you figure the average is about, what, three-ish a, a year, three funerals a year. And uh, I, think I, I think I thought it was bigger because, honestly, when I do a funeral, uh, every one of them seems to have a significant impact on my life. I mean, it's just like I don't just sort of do rote stuff, you know. I don't just have a formula. I, I just find myself really sort of taken into the whole... Idea of people dying, and as I was looking over the list, uh, I started thinking this this week or a couple of weeks ago when I started this message that how many of those seventy five who are in heaven? Um, how many of them? Like, what are they up to? You know, what what are they doing? And and do they know what's happening here? I mean, do they are they in tune with what's happening here, do they even really care what's happening on earth? And, and even like should they even care and should we even care about them? Like you know uh, once they're in heaven everything's fine kind of a thing? Well when we started this series entitled Heaven, um, this was uh, like two weeks ago, um, we uh, we were introduced to a fictitious character Names, named Ethan Goodwin. Um, you may recall, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, that Ethan and Carly were, uh, they were fiancés with one another, and they were on a canoe trip with Sam and Josh. And uh, on that canoe trip, uh, Ethan and Carly's canoe tipped, and Carly made it out okay, but Ethan didn't. He actually died. He drowned in the river. And, uh, and then an angel lifted him out of the river and then was going to take him to heaven. So in this series, we're going to follow the life of Ethan as he goes to heaven and, and uh, just allow our minds to imagine what he must be going through. And so I would like us now to take a moment and allow our minds to think creatively, allow our minds to imagine what was happening with Ethan now that he's in heaven, what his experiences have been. And uh, our narrator, Grace Rissy, is here to share with us the story of Ethan Goodwin.
1: Kalita, what about Carly? The canoe tip, the rapids, I remember it. Is Carly okay? Kalita was Ethan's angel, an actual angel who would be his companion, friend, mentor, and servant throughout eternity. Just then, the light of Jesus whispered into Ethan's heart. Carly made it out safely. Carly told me to tell you that she loves you and misses you very much. Moved by complete love and complete faith in the goodness of his savior, and yet needing his reassurance, he asked, Jesus, is my death going to overwhelm her? Will it damage? her. Jesus graciously gave Ethan what he so needed next. The wounds she will feel from losing you are producing her internal weight of glory far beyond comparison. I have her, my daughter, in my hands. Then speaking to Ethan's felt need, Jesus added, you can check on her whenever you would like. Wait, I can check on her? But how? How can I see her? Looking up to Kalita, he asked, how can I see Carly? I can take you to my friend, Reut. He is a revealer angel. Uh, A revealer? Yes, Yahweh uses each and every one of us for a different reason. He made me a warrior angel and Reut a revealer angel. He has the best capacity to show you what is happening. Reut was made to open people's eyes to see what they normally don't see. Moments later, they made their way to a large home that resembled a first-century kind of design, with sandy brown stone, big and beautiful. They weren't there but a few seconds. They didn't knock or anything when the door opened and an elderly man was standing there who was slightly shorter than Ethan. He was dressed in a more first-century clothing with earth tone tunic and sandals. And with a kind smile, the gentleman said, Grace to you. Ethan. Then he turned to the angel and said, good to see you, Kalita. What a wonderful day it is. Just then, another larger creature, a bit taller than Kalita, stepped up behind the shorter man. The light went on for Ethan. That's Rayut. Rayut pulled Kalita close by his side and looked down at Ethan and said, I must tell you, young man, Kalita has waited a long time for you. Looking down at the older man, Rayu continued, Ionis and I have been together for over 2,000 years, and Kalita has cared and protected hundreds of men who have all turned their backs on the Lord Jesus. He has been a good warrior to our king and has known the joys of victory in battle. But for an angel, there is nothing like bringing their human to heaven. So you want to see Carly? Rayu asked Ethan. Yes, I want to know how she's doing. Well then, I will take you to her, and Josh and Sam for that matter, and your mom and dad and sister as well. But in going to see them, it's important that you understand and you see what they are doing, but also what you see what God is doing in them. And for you, Ethan, you can learn from them and grow to be more complete by what you see. Out in the courtyard, Rayu offered them to sit on the chairs that resembled recliners made out of smooth rocks that were actually quite comfortable. The three of them looked up at the sky, and Rayu turned to Ethan and said, The earth is up there through that veil. And then he prayed, Yahweh, by your spirit, open the veil so that Ethan can see what you have seen before time. In accordance with your will, reveal him to how Carly, his friends and family are coping at this moment. They were staring, as they were staring up into the sky, it felt like the whole courtyard was just turned upside down. Kalia, Kalita, Rayu, and Ethan were no longer looking up, but looking down. They were looking, they were looking down into a large room when the sky began to dissolve from its pure, room, pure blue into the large room. Ethan was looking down, as he was peeking through the ceiling, he could see, Hey, that's my uncle Jerome, and my Aunt Janice, and all of my cousins too. Most of his relatives were here. As Ethan was watching, Ray reached down and took Ethan and held him underneath his arms and around his chest and lowered him down into the room. Ethan stood on the floor and began moving through the crowd. That's Ben from my cross-country team, and Steve and Ann, all of my friends. Ethan continued to move through the crowd. He was listening and feeling the mood. He knew what this was. This was his funeral. Looking up to the ceiling, he saw Rayu and Kalita looking down at him. Welling up with emotions, he said to his two heavenly companions, look at all these people. I can't believe that they came here for me. Ethan saw Sam and Josh up to the side, so Ethan walked up to them. Guys, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. Please, please just take care of Carly. As he said the last words, Sam turned and looked directly at him, which startled Ethan. Did he hear me? Then Sam looked back at the people that he was standing there with, and then Ethan looked up to Cleta. Can he hear me? No, no, not directly. Sometimes the people on Earth can get the sense like we are near, especially when emotions are intense. He may have sensed your presence or maybe even your words to take care of Carly. It really is hard to say. Ethan made his way up to the front of the room where his mom, dad, sister, and Carly were. Carly was, Car- Ethan wanted to skip to the line and squeeze Carly and tell her that he missed her and loved her so much and that he's okay. Most of all, though, he wanted to tell her about the experiences that he's had since his death. He wished so much that he could have protected her from this tragedy in a life of losing him. Another person gave her a warm embrace, and then another. The next person was Carly's close friend, Allison. They both cried and as they held held each other. Ethan just started to cry too. I'm so sorry. I'm so very sorry for dying and for causing you the pain. The next person was Ethan's sister, Emma. She was keeping herself busy as she was greeting the people as well. I really miss her. I miss her ever since I left for college. But now, I really, really miss her. She's my baby sister. Look at how grown up she looks. Oh Lord, please, please help her. Ethan then made his way to stand before his parents. They both looked exhausted, especially his mom. Thinking she might sense his presence like he thought Sam did, he looked at her. Mom, I'm so sorry for the pain I've caused you, not just in my death, but also for being stubborn growing up and challenging you when you just tried to give me guidance. But his mom just kept greeting people, and then it hit Ethan. This is how I felt often growing up. You often didn't have time for me. It was either your friends or Emma or your work that seemed to pull you away from me. Ethan started to question, shouldn't I only feel good things? But then this thought challenged him. Maybe these are all good things, even though that they hurt my soul. Ethan then turned to his dad. He missed him and loved him, but yet felt the pain of his upbringing. Why were you so harsh with me? I often feel like I could not measure up to your expectations of me, and I more often than not seem to fall short, staring right into his dad's distant eyes. Remember the time in Little League? When when you were in the bleachers shouting, and I stood over the batter's box, and I missed the first pitch, you shouted, come on, Ethan, that was too high. Keep your eye on the ball. Yeah. I felt like a fool in front of everyone. Why did you always have some correction for me after most of my games, even throughout high school? And when I felt like I was dating Carly, you made that comment about not knowing how to handle a girl of her quality. You made me feel like such less of a man. As Ethan looked at his dad, a concocture of anger, deep love, and sadness flowed throughout his heart and mind. Jesus then spoke again. A part of your journey towards forgiveness is to see the beauty and wonder in a person despite of their shortcomings. They are still a marvelous miracle, and each and every one of them has eternal worth. As you look at your dad, I know you can see the redeeming qualities in him that I have created. Ethan Ethan could feel his heart slow down in his chest as he felt the Lord's peace and love and appreciation he had for his dad. Ethan then moved his attention to the casket set there beside his parents. He looked past all the bouquets of flowers and noticed the spray of flowers that read on the casket, Our beloved son. He started to weep as he looked inside. His eyes moved up from his looking at his hands folded on the suit. Then he slowly moved his, his gaze up to his face. Although it was strange to see himself in the casket, Ethan wasn't shocked or alarmed. The only thing that struck him was how young he looked. He was only 21. Lord, why did you take me to heaven so young? Ethan, you're training It was done on earth. I have so much more for you to learn, and heaven is the best place you will learn it. Feeling content, he looked up to Reu and Kalita and said to them, I am ready to go home. Reu reached down and took Ethan under his arms and gently lifted him above the people at the funeral home. The gravitational pull smoothly switched as he turned to recline back into the chair next to his two angels. The walls of the courtyard reappeared in his peripheral vision and the window up to earth was closed with the sky above heaven.
0: Oh, that's a lot to take in, isn't it? You might be asking yourself, is it true? Can those in heaven see what's happening on the earth? Do those in heaven look down on us? And what do they experience while they're up there? Well, as we continue in this series entitled Heaven, uh, we are going to unpack what people in heaven experience as it relates to what's happening here on earth. And uh, as I'm going through this message, even as you heard grace, you may have some questions that you want to ask. And uh, throughout this entire series, we're going to open it up for questioning at the end of the service. And so I have a phone number in the lower right-hand corner of every single uh, slide that you can get out your phones and be ready in case you have a question along the way. It's a really easy number to remember, 923-2121. 923-2121. And we will be gathering those questions as I'm preaching. And in the song, After I'm Done Preaching, and then at the end of the service, we're going to take as many as we can with the time allotted. And anything that I don't get to this morning, uh, then we will, um, I will actually post a video on our Facebook page where uh, I will answer all the questions as best I can uh, that you would text to me, okay? So get out your phones and be ready to text that number. Last week or two weeks ago when we started, we had about 25 questions, which was pretty awesome. And uh, let's try to outdo it uh, this Sunday, okay? So... Anyway, those in heaven, let's talk about those people in heaven. Let let me just start out by being really straightforward with you. Those in heaven actually do know and they do care about what's happening on earth. Those in heaven, they know what's happening on earth. Those in heaven know, first of all, the good. They, They see what's happening on earth. They see God working and they can see all the details of the positive things that are happening on the earth. If you have a Bible handy, you can go with me to Luke chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible handy, that's fine. I have the scriptures up here on uh, the screen for you. Luke chapter 15, uh, there's these religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, that are really accusing Jesus that, hey, this guy, he actually receives sinners, and he eats with them. And they're, they're basically saying, that's wrong for you. You'll defile yourself to do that. And then Jesus answers their Uh, accusations. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 3, it says this. He told them this parable. Now a parable is a story to make a point or a parable is a story to explain a real truth or a real reality. So he tells them this parable saying, what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Now that's the parable. That's the story. And now he's going to say, now here's the reality behind the story. Look at verse 7. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. There is this rejoicing In heaven, now, some might be thinking, well, that's the angels, Uh, that's God, that's who's rejoicing in heaven. It doesn't say people are rejoicing in heaven, but let me read on, because then Jesus tells another parable to even make the point even more clear. In verse 8, he goes on, or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. Now that's the parable, that's the story. Now here's the truth, here's the reality that he's making. In verse 10, In the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now this phrase, in the presence of, is actually one... Single Greek word. The Greek word is enopion, and it means uh, before, or something that is placed before something else. Like, for instance, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 24, Jesus is talking and he says, Now listen, if if somebody has uh, an issue with you, you should leave your gift before the altar. So the gift is different than the altar itself and go and make things right with your brother, he says there in Matthew chapter 5. But this is the idea of those who are in the presence of angels that aren't angels. There's joy in heaven by those who are in the physical presence of or in front of the angels. Now just think of how incredible this is for a moment. This just might be the ultimate example Of how heaven is fully engaged in what Jesus is doing on this earth. When somebody realizes their sin, they realize they're not right with God, and Jesus rescues them, heaven rejoices. When somebody knows their wicked ways and they turn away from their wicked ways and they turn to Jesus... Their loved ones in heaven, along with the angels, along with God, all rejoice. There is more joy. There is increasing joy. There is amazing joy in heaven, and they rejoice with the Lord for how good He is to save yet another person. Those in heaven, they know the good. They see it, and they rejoice. They also know the bad. Those in heaven know the bad. Now, this pill might be a hard one for people to swallow. But if you just think about what we just walked through with Jesus, they rejoice over a person repenting, a sinner. He's eating with sinners. They know the sin of the sinner. They know the bad that the person was going through. And when they turn to the Lord, they rejoice. There's a, book, there's a, a passage in the book of Revelation where we see people that are near to God. They're up in heaven with the Lord and they remember the bad stuff that they experienced when they were on the earth. And they also, rem- and they also know that, that there's bad stuff continuing to happen on the earth and they're wondering why God isn't doing anything about it. Go with me to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9. It says this. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, that's Jesus, Jesus is the Lamb, and the the fifth seal are the uh, five of seven judgments that Jesus has on the earth, the Apostle John says, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe. And they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. So there's a lot I could unpack in those few verses, but let me just highlight three things. First of all, these are followers of Jesus. These are Christians who have been martyred for their faith. And now they're up in heaven. And secondly, they know that God has not avenged their blood on, on the people of the earth. Though Those who have murdered them, they know that God has not brought about his justice on the earth against those people who have martyred them, who have killed them. And third, it's interesting that... Uh, that um, John writes, their fellow, God is saying their fellow servants and their brethren are going to be killed even as you were killed. So listen, you're going to know that they're going to go through some pretty terrible stuff also. And notice he says servants and brethren. It's this idea uh, that maybe the brethren are, are a, a specific, you know these people, you, you love them. And they're going to go through some hard times on the earth. Yeah. Those in heaven, they're aware of the good that's happening on the earth. But they're also aware of the bad that's happening on the earth. Now, this begs the question that maybe some of you are asking. What about no more tears? What about no more tears? I mean, I thought that when you get to heaven, there's no more tears. And the logic goes that um, if those in heaven see the sin, they see the pain, they see the corruption of what's happening on the earth, then they're going to have negative feelings in heaven. And I thought when we go to heaven, we don't have any negative feelings. Well, here's the reality of the truth of God's word. Until sin and its effects are completely done away with, we will still be moved by sin. We'll still react towards sin and corruption and evil, but we will be without sin ourselves. Um, the Lord will wipe away every tear. It's true. It just won't happen in heaven. It actually happens on the new earth, which happens after heaven, which is a series I ought to do after this heaven series, because it's way past the time that we actually come back from heaven. Go with me over to Revelation chapter 21. I don't want to confuse you too much. Let's just read what it says here. Revelation chapter 21. John the Apostle says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. The the tabernacle of God means his home. He's making his home among us, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Now look at verse 4. And... He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There it is. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. In the new heaven and the new earth, this is when he wipes away the tears. When there's no longer any death or pain or any of the corruption that sin brings into this world. But in heaven, people will know the good and people will know the bad of what happens here. Another thing about those in heaven is those in heaven learn. They learn. Now, you might say, wait, once we're in heaven, don't we know everything? No. No, we don't. We will know a lot more than we know now for sure, but we won't know everything. Even the angels in heaven look down on the earth and they continue to learn. Go with me back to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8. The Apostle Paul is writing here and he writes these interesting words. Ephesians 3.8. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. Now, verse 10 is critical. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Some commentaries will say, well, that's speaking of the evil forces, uh, you know, in the heavenly places. It doesn't necessarily say that. It, it, as a matter of fact, angels are in military rank, and this rulers and authorities is a, a, a description of military rank. And, and the angels in the heavenly places are watching what's happening in the church, and they're the ones that are gaining wisdom because they're learning what's happening through what's what's happening on the earth. Even those under the altar that we just read about didn't know what was going to happen to, you know, the people on the earth. And so they were learning from the Lord when he answered their question. Listen, you're going to have to wait until more people, just like you, even your brethren, those that you love, will have to die before my judgment will happen on the earth. So even those in heaven were uncertain about something, they asked the Lord, and he answered them, he he taught them what his future would hold. Which leads us to the next point. Those in heaven pray. Those in heaven, they pray. Praying is just talking to God, really. And clearly those people in heaven... We're talking to God. They were making their request be made known to the Lord. They seemed to be uncertain. They seemed to be even a bit, I don't know, anxious about the future? Or when is this going to happen? And it sounds like they were practicing what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 6. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, and this is what they experienced there up in heaven, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Lord answered their prayer when they were under the altar. The answer was, you have to wait. As I was working through this message, uh, my grandpa Weir came to my mind. My grandpa Weir, my mom's dad, uh, in 1989, he died. He was 79 years old. And uh, my grandpa was a follower of Jesus. He trusted Jesus as his Savior, and he he loved the Lord. So did my grandma. And uh, as I was working through this, for some reason, my grandpa came to my mind. And I think it's because of all my four grandparents... uh, I identified with him probably the most. Uh, he was funny, fun-loving, warm, uh, kind, uh, always a man of joy. And I think in my own mind and heart, I think, man, I want, when I grow up, I want to be like my grandpa, you know. And then it struck me as, as he came to my mind. Imagine my grandpa and my grandma right next to him, praying to the Lord in heaven, talking to the Lord. My parents are in their 80s. I picture my grandparents talking to the Lord about their daughter, my mom, and, and my dad. They're getting up there in age. I think about my grandparents, grandpa in particular, knowing what's happening with all my siblings, praying for every one of them. Because my grandpa, one of the things, he just loved his grandkids. Then I thought about him praying for me and it just kind of struck me, like, wow. And honestly, as I've been working through this, I thought, this is somewhat of a new concept for me to think about. But I'm grateful for it. But I've got to give us a warning. I feel, I feel like we need to have a bit of a warning. Never does the Bible advocate for us to talk those who are dead. Uh, Or to work through a medium to try and connect with our loved ones who have died. I'm not going to take us through all the scriptures, but every week I do sermon discussion questions. I put them out at the welcome desk, and I listed the verses that you can look up on your own. One verse, though, I do want to highlight if you're taking notes. It's an important verse to write down. It's Isaiah chapter 8. Verses 19 and 20. Isaiah 8, 19 and 20. Basically, God's word says, why would you consult the dead when you're supposed to consult the Lord? So, we're not supposed to talk to the dead. We're not supposed to talk to anyone that we might deem a saint. But we're supposed to talk to the Lord only. (coughs) Well, one, one more thing about those in heaven that is maybe the most obvious, probably the most obvious... And that is those in heaven worship. <laughs> they worship. So those under the altar, they end up seeing God's justice that is going to be carried out on the earth. And actually, I think we're going to be with them to see God's justice carried out uh, on the earth. And it results in, in worship. In uh, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 1. Revelation 19, 1. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who was con- uh, corrupting the earth with her immorality and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. The great harlot is the systems of the earth that are unfaithful to the Lord, particularly false religions, the false religions of the world. This also includes those who are anti-Christian, those who are anti-Christ, those who work against his work in the world or obstruct it, those who are suave and arrogant against those things of the Lord in their thoughts, and in their actions. When the justice of God is carried out on our world against everything that is evil, there will be great worship in heaven. Now, in four weeks from now, I've given Pastor Kyle a challenge. Talk to us about what worship's gonna be like in heaven. So in four weeks from now, he's gonna bring that message, and I'm pretty excited about it. But just for now, uh, Justice is very important to those who are in heaven. God's righteous justice. And when we see righteous justice, when those in heaven see righteous justice on this earth, the heavens erupt in worship. Well, this is all very interesting. At least it is to me. I hope it is to you. But we must ask the question, so what? Okay, cool, interesting. But how should this affect us? The fact that those in heaven can see what's happening on the earth and they're praying and they're, they're learning and they're worshiping and all that. What, what should, how should it affect us? Well, it should actually strengthen our commitment to follow Jesus. It should strengthen our commitment to follow Jesus. Now, there's a lot of motivators that we can utilize to to say, I want to follow Jesus. Probably number one of them all is his love for us, right? He loves us so much, we want to love him back. That's an awesome motivator. A second motivator would be that we want to hear him say, well done. You know, when we finally go to heaven ourselves, we want the Lord Jesus to say, well done. We're looking forward to the rewards to come. But here's a third motivator, and it starts in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11... There's this huge list of people who have died and gone to heaven. And they live their lives on this earth trusting the Lord, following him by faith, even to the point where they thought that he promised them something on this earth and they died not not realizing the promises that they thought were going to happen for them on this earth. But it's interesting what Hebrews chapter 11 says. It says, but but they kept their eyes on a better country. They kept their eyes on heaven. All those people, they have the ability and the interest of knowing what's going on with us right now on this earth. And therefore, the writer of Hebrews follows up Hebrews chapter 11 with this very first verse in Hebrews uh, chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Listen to what this says. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, they're witnessing what's happening in our lives. They see what's going on. They're learning as they watch. They're praying. They're worshiping. Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, which by the way, this joy that's set before him is to bring many of us to glory with him. You can read about it yourself in chapter 2 in verse 10 of Hebrews. Uh, who For the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We have this amazing cloud of witnesses around us. Those who have gone before us, who care for us. They know what we're going through. They can see the good, and they can see the bad. And while they're in heaven, they're rooting for us. They're praying for us. Like the Lord Jesus, they want our very best to lay off those things that so easily entangle us. (laughs) They're wanting us to run the race. You can do it. Endure until the end. Run to win the prize. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Not on them, but on Jesus. One day, we're going to be with them heaven together before the Lord. Until that day, may those in heaven who are witnessing what's happening in our lives, and may the Lord Jesus himself find every one of us faithful to be committed to him, the one true God. Lord, Thank you for the truth of your word. Profound nature that you allow those in heaven to know what's going on in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that we have those witnesses and they're rooting for us. We're grateful, Lord, for that. Lord, we. We want to fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus. You're the author and the completer or the perfecter of our faith. So, Lord, we pray that you would give us the endurance we need if there's someone here who feels weak heavy laden, that they would feel your strength in this moment, Lord Jesus. There's some people here who things are distracting them from you, Lord, you'd remove their distractions. For others who may have a level of arrogance, self-reliance, you're calling them right now, Lord, to humble themselves in your sight, humble themselves before you, and allow you to lift them up. Lord, we bow before you now, knowing that this life that we live is only because of you, Lord Jesus. You are alive, and you want to strengthen us. Strengthen us in this life. Prepare us for our eternity with you. Yes, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are alive right now, and we give you all the praise and all the glory. draw us near to you now, we pray this, Jesus, in your holy name.